Impact Double Feature. Sixer. Two friends, two movies, and too much to drink. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. Hey, there you guys are. In a gesture of goodwill toward men, women, and cats, I've given Jamie Justice, Roadhouse correspondent, the rest of the day off. So it's me you're stuck with. Today, Nathan and I are rounding out the holiday season with a pair of holiday movies that aren't really conventional in any way. And I've never seen either one, so hey, two new movies for me. It's Lethal Weapon and Scrooged, today on Six Pack Double Feature. Hey, there, there it, it is. is. Okay, nice. <laughs> that's, that's the ticket. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was doing three things this morning before I set up the... Uh, intro music and stuff there i was recording a voiceover thing for a friend mm-hmm. uh also doing laundry and then uh credits here and we clearly see which of the three suffered you started so fast i forgot to grab a beer first hold on oh geez greetings greetings and through the magic of time travel you're back hey <laughs> it is our annual christmas episode gang it is what are you drinking over there nathan uh line and kugel's snowdrift vanilla porter that sounds like a lot of sweat tomorrow or today i don't know it's early not a big line of kugels fan that's good i like it i'm sticking with the old uh narragansett these are the good hours the time for gansett narragansett lager beer uh hey, so yo yeah um yo yeah hey hi uh <laughs> hope you guys had a good thanksgiving I hope you had a good lead up to the Christmas season here. We, amongst other things, are here today to talk about a couple of Christmas movies, as we are wont to do this time of year. However, one is, I would call these both untraditional, to be honest with you. Yeah. One is one is closer to traditional, but it's an an untraditional approach to a traditional Christmas story. (laughs) Both by Richard Donner. Yeah. I didn't, as I was watching Scrooge last night, I was like, who, who fucking directed this? And I didn't find out till the end. I was and like, then oh, went, Richard oh. Donner. Oh, okay. And then I answered one of my own questions that we'll get to later. Nice. But uh, it's hard to watch Christmas movies before Christmas for me. It was This one wasn't as bad because it's leading up to Thanksgiving. And so you're really close on the cusp. But when we recorded Christmas episodes in the last couple of years, we were doing it in like... September or October. I just tried to get him. I tried to get him out of the way, man. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) Pound a couple day bourbons and just. This is the latest we've recorded a uh, a a Christmas episode. That's that's close enough. It's okay. Do you want to do? I was gonna say as we've done the last couple years too. We've got a uh, little Christmas gift exchange we're gonna do. So uh, let me throw in some fun music here. Get down with your bad self. Who did this music? Well, it was Michael Kamen, That's but right. there are okay. two specific artists that played the sax and the guitar. Stevie Ray Vaughan. No. Think another blues guitar player. That's still alive. Clapton? Correct. Oh. Eric Clapton? Uh, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Gift exchange. Uh, Nathan, you go first. Or at the same time, same time. I don't know you. I don't know. Yours will be easier to see real quick. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I made a mental note as soon as you said it during the episode. How funny. No way. Okay. <laughs> 
Tell the folks what it is. No, I can't. It's a secret. I got me a baseball jersey that says the Bears, number three, and on the back, Chico Bail Bonds. <laughs> Let freedom ring. That's awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, it's fucking Petey from Dumb and Dumber, the, <laughs> the parakeet. It's In got, an action figure box. Got, yeah, he's yeah a, from Super Secret Fun Club. It's uh, a limited edition, so it's signed by the artist. Oh, sweet. This is fucking rad. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you would enjoy that. So, I just figured so he was. Petey? I just figured he, he was, was real quiet. quiet. <laughs> we'll be sure you to. Sold, uh, you sold Petey to the blind. You kid? sold my pet parakeet to, to a blind, blind kid. kid? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, there's a bag of what I'm assuming is leftover Halloween candy. Well, it came before Halloween, so oh, that okay. was just, it comes in there. So you got some trading cards the in there too. Cards? I don't and know. I didn't super dig in there. Sweet, super secret fun club sticker. Awesome All Stars. I don't remember these. They look sort of like um, garbage pail kid type type of things. They look kind of like grossy. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. I love the shirt. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I specifically told Lisa. I said, "Hey, I'm." Is that what she was thinking you were going to get then? Because you, if you asked her for some information, she was no. I literally and I knew once we were recording the Bad News Bears episode, and you said I would fucking wear the shit out of a jersey. I was like, well, that's what I'm getting for Christmas. <laughs> And then I didn't know if you were like me. Like when I say shit like that, I plant the idea in my head and I go, I'm going to go home and go shopping for one. I texted her and said, uh, hey, don't let him buy a Bad News Bears jersey. I'm going to buy him one. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, Christmas has come early. Yeah, I figured you'd like that because it's also in it's like an action figure. And so it's like a collectible action figure you can put up in your wall somewhere. It's a dead bird, Nathan. It It doesn't do much. But it's got no. the it's got the duct tape wrapped around. Yeah, it's the head. it's, yeah, it's rad. Great. We'll make sure to post pictures of these. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man, if you guys don't follow them on Instagram, you're missing out. Again, they're super secret fun, fun club, club. Uh, and they've got all kinds of fun. Yeah, shit. and when they post, if there's something on there that piques your interest, you got to pull the trigger fast because yeah. they yeah. will go. They only do like limits of like twenty, thirties, or like fifties that the artists will put together. So it's oh, pretty awesome. I love it. So Thank shout you. out to them. Uh, here is a trailer for Lethal Weapon. Gun! Raj, meet your new partner. If these two cops can stand each other... Well, I keep getting into trouble around you. The bad guys don't stand a chance. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. We better register you as a lethal weapon. Lethal Weapon, rated R. Starts Friday, March 6th. That trailer music sound familiar? Dude, I, I was writing down... <laughs> Because you said I have something to come in on, so I was I was writing down. Okay, I have a couple of Predator. Questions. It's from Predator. Yeah. Okay. Well, Shane Black. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, though, is I guess in the late '80s and very early '90s, there's just they started playing that music. So as who owns it? Music. The studio owns it. Or? I think so. But what's weird is, is this isn't a 20th Century Fox movie, so I guess it depends on who owns the music. Okay. That was written by um, Alan Silvestri. But that's Predator music. I, I, and we p- kind of played that a little bit earlier this past season with uh, Silence of the Lambs. There was that. Well, and you listened to Predator. And you did it with 48 Hours as well. 48 Hours. It wasn't Predator, but it was Commando. Yeah. And that was James Horner ripping himself off. So, yeah. And another further synchronicity Billy from Predator is in 48 Hours. 
Thanks for that. Have a fact. good time, everybody. Uh, my, my other thing was, um, real quick, I didn't hit a lot of notes on this movie. It's kind of hard for me to take notes. I didn't have reason. I didn't have a lot of note. I didn't have a lot of notes. I had less notes for Scrooge, to be honest with you. Same about the, um, about the same. But Riggs always sounds like he's just about to vomit. Okay, or, you know what? Or, I, or he's in the I middle of a, or he's in the middle of a vomiting fit. You've caught him in that like forty five seconds between stomach. I'm convulsions. about to. <gasps> I never thought about it like that. I can I see exactly where you're coming from. I've never thought about it in that way, but I. I totally see where you're coming from with that comment. And he's yeah. just always at like 11. Okay, I have a question for you. You may not have an answer. I shall endeavor to answer adequately. <laughs> Adequatoquatulism. Um, why had you never seen this before? Knowing it's late 80s action and... That's good. That's, that's really what I came in on. I My mom rented this. I remember her renting it. And I don't know if it's another one of those where... Oh, no, he can't watch this. We're going to wait for Roadhouse. Well, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you know, you know, but shit, I didn't watch Roadhouse till like 10 years I ago. I know what you mean, but it's just. Shh, I I remember watching the, the scene where Riggs handcuffs himself to the suicide <laughs> the guy, guy and jumping down under the thing. Because my dad a, was a firefighter and there are firefighters down there. And I remember asking her something on the order of like, hey, is, you know, dad ever had to set up that super happy fun bag for somebody to jump into? And she was like, what? Get the hell out of here. Why are you watching? Yeah, I was standing behind her, <laughs> standing behind her chair. Uh, I think there was Whoa. just a lot of, like my mom, if I asked her a question, my mom would tell me the answer with the exception of like I asked her about sex one time and she was like, ask me again when you're like 13. And then I'll tell you to ask me again. And when then, you other than that, she would explain, she would explain shit to me. Right. Um, but I think for the large part, she didn't like want to. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to watch some movies. And I guess this being rated R. Or maybe she was looking to have some sort of like lady time experience with Mel Gibson. I don't know. Look, everybody, every woman that really dug on Mel Gibson at that time period. I can, I, I get it. I kind of get it. Put on the mullet glasses, man. I guess. I, I, <laughs> my first thought was like, does cocaine make you think you can fly? Like she takes it. She snorts like a seven dollar rail of coke and then is like, I can fly, and then jumps off the. You know that it was laced with other things as well. That like was soap. The story. Or po- it was poison. Something with it was poison. It was poison. She would have died regardless. But I, don't I, think- I partly think that she was in an unhappy place. <laughs> and that was her way out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, Correct me if I'm I wrong. I don't think she was living her best life. I no. don't think she was living her best life. Fondling her own boobs alone in that hotel room. Oh, fucking uh, <laughs> leaving was, on a jet plane, huh? Yeah. Oh, the, thanks, buddy. I needed that laugh. <laughs> no, I don't think she was. I don't think she no, was happy. She was not happy. I mean, she looked, she not. looked elated in the moment. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me want to clean my house. <laughs> I mean, all that aside, you just wasted all that blow. You get all high up. She doesn't know it was laced. She was. She got high up and then got high up. And yeah, and then jumped out the window. I was like, well, you just somebody. You know what? That was her version. That was very of selfish. Her eight ball was. <laughs> somebody else could have used that cocaine. Like, look. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Gary Busey was on set. He clearly could have used that cocaine, and instead, you snort it and then jump out the window. Bad manners. That's bad cocaine etiquette. You don't take cocaine and then jump out a it's window. It's bad coquetiquette, yes. Coquetiquette. This is typically a once a year for Lisa and I. I turned 40. I turned 40. Right. Uh, in early November. And in late November, you watched Lethal Weapon. 
for the, the first, first time, time in 40 years. And newsflash. Is it going to be a last for you? It's going to be a once in a lifetime <laughs> movie for me, I think. It's so weird that this is does, this didn't I just, necessarily I clicked for you. Are I, you I don't think I saw it at the right it's, it's a goon, it's a goonie situation, man. Okay. Like maybe I don't know. Well, it was kind of a risque thing for me being 5 years older than you. So 87 88, I'm I'm hitting 11 12. You're in that range. you're in that wheelhouse. And so by the time this either hits like HBO or cable of some sort, or someone rents it, and you're staying over at a friend's Would've house. Would have been a year later. That's when you're like, yeah, let's watch. Let's, let's yeah. My dad rented Lethal Weapon. He's going to let us watch it. You know, I'm like, yes, this is it. Yeah, this would be a – this is probably in the top five or top ten, like, first, like, R movies I saw. Probably mm. top five would be my guess. This kind of has that little special place in my heart for okay. – Hmm, this is not what a movie that my parents would approve of. Let me, can I watch that? <laughs> you know, um, but this is definitely usually once every year, once every other year, early December, like we talked about before, where you're kind of just testing the waters, putting your dipping your toes in the waters for Christmas. This is a early Christmas movie for us, like for I, us, like with Die, die for Hard. us with Die Hard. Yeah. Do you think it was hard for Murtaugh to have his birthday so close to Christmas? Oh, wow. I never even thought about it like that. It's His a, birthday was probably, what, the 22nd, 23rd, yeah. maybe? <laughs> and yes, Kyle, it is very weird that his entire family comes in there and blows up his bath time spot. That was my what doesn't work. I said, Murtaugh's entire family comes into the bathroom while he's taking a bath t- to wish him a happy birthday. The more times I've watched this, the more it makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. The only thing separating Murtaugh, Murtaugh's man bits from his kids is a thin layer of bubbles. <laughs> I take my bath with Mr. Bubble and Mr. Bubble alone. I like to cook in my own juices. <laughs> Get a good glove of graze, glove of glaze all over my body. I like to braise myself. <laughs> yeah, I'd like a short braised Danny Glover rib, please. Mm, easy. But no, uh, <laughs> Staff Sergeant Kyle texted you and me a while back and said he was watching, I guess he was off work or uh-huh. whatever, and he was taking a run through, what are they, like, 25 Die Hard, uh, 25 Lethal Weapons? No, they're, you're about the same on, on both. There's more Die Hards now than there are Lethal Weapons, but there's only two that are really good, in my of opinion. Of each? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, of both. Yeah. And he he asked us both if we thought it was, or I think he just told us he thought it was weird that his whole family busted. Yeah, him. that's right. He did do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird. That's why it I named weird. And it's the weird, older Kyle. you get, the weirder it it's, gets. Yep, because... Danny Glover was 40, playing 50. Are you fucking kidding me? He was 40, playing Jesus 50. Jesus Christ, he looked like he was 60. Yeah, he was 40, playing 50, and um, Mel Gibson is 30, playing 38 in this. And I thought he looked like he was 40, and he's yeah. 30 he looked, in there. He you know looked, what I mean? He looked older. Well, they both looked older. God, everybody looked older in the 80s. Yeah, it's all the cocaine. It's all the cocaine, man. It's all the, <laughs> all the, the cocaine. cocaine. I have two things that don't that don't work. I think I have two other things as well. You want to hear um, yours? And I'll the go score back can be overpowering at times. It's Michael Kamen. It, yeah. A lot of it, like I said before, when we talked about Die Hard, a lot of it reminds me of either Die Hard or Lethal Weapon. Some of those actiony moments. But he did the score for Roadhouse, and the score for Roadhouse isn't like that. Did he? Okay. He did. Yeah. The first time I saw it on Roadhouse, I was like, the guy that did the fucking orchestral thing with Metallica for S and M is doing the score for Roadhouse. Uh, okay. All right. Whatever, good on you, bro. Uh, the other thing that doesn't work is for a cop salary, Murtaugh's house is fucking palatial. Yeah, it's huge in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, yeah, as well, yeah. And a, and they're in the middle of remodeling it too. And I have to say, isn't that a running gag in all yeah. the movies that he's remodeling his house? I believe so. they're they're all they're always trying to finish the remodel. Doesn't his house blow up in one of the movies? 
I know the house across the street or whatever blows up in this. There is more action that takes place in the second and third. I don't even. I couldn't even recall what the fourth one. But was this the sequels. first instance of "I'm too old for this shit"? Yes. Okay. Or did no? Did Nick Nolte start it? Uh, unless he did. Nick Nolte say it. I don't, I don't remember. Know, they but, both kind of play the same guy. But the first line is, I'm I'm too old for this shit. And I believe he says in the remainders, he says, I'm getting too old for this shit. But the it kind of has that Mandela effect. Some people say, I'm getting too old for this uh, shit. Okay. It's, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, my other two, which don't work here, is after rescuing Murtaugh and his daughter, Riggs retrieves his Beretta and then fires it more than 30 times without reloading it <laughs> towards the end of the film. <laughs> And the the other one was the closing song that plays during the end credits. The band is called Honeymoon Suite. That song is also titled Lethal Weapon. Rubberneck at a car wreck. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> when you lose your love And it makes your life turn cold when it tears you apart, your heart and soul just can't go on. I can't go on. Fuck this. Jesus. God, man. That's terrible. That sounds like a full house, like Jesse and the Rippers song. You, you want to know how bad this song was? They didn't credit it in the end credits. <laughs> It's not on the nothing sound- to see here. Move it's along. not on the soundtrack. It, they must have been contractually obligated. Look, man, we recorded this song. You got to put it at the end. All right, but we're not telling you who this what's, is. What's the band's name? Ricky and the Honeypots. Honeymoon Suite. Honeymoon Suite. That's almost as bad. Yeah, that uh, is terrible. And it pulls up like an old late '80s video where it's got them in black and white singing their song and inter- <laughs> intercutting between that and like. Clips of the movie. Clips of the movie. Does the singer, does he have on a blazer with the sleeves rolled up and it is at some point, does he grab, like, does he, whoa, at some point, does he bring both fists up and like, yeah, you gotta sing a song. Well, let's see here. He, oh, he's wearing a leather jacket. Dear God, I can still hear it. I know. Hold on. Wait. Oh, he went like this. He stuck his hand out. Five fingers. Five fingers. When you lose All, right. Control. All right, drop this down. <laughs> Love can become a lethal weapon. <laughs> so can a badly timed burrito. <laughs> which is what that song should be called. <laughs> Christmas Burrito by Julio and the Honeyhounds. That's the name of my new album, Badly Timed Burrito. <laughs> Were you surprised to see Dr. Dad in this? I'm never surprised to see Tom Atkins. Were you, de- poli- were you delighted? I was going to say polite, and I'm like, that's not right. Were I had you- a working knowledge that he was in it, but it's one of those, I've, like I said, never seen it. And you've mentioned it so many times that I knew he was in it. Yeah, the uh, first time you, for me, the time, first time you see Tom was Atkins, right? Yeah. Not related. For he, me, he's Michael Hunsaker. He's not related to the diet guy. For me, he's Dr. Chalice. He's Dr. Dad. He'll always be Dr. Dad. But no, when I saw him, I was like, hey, it's fucking Dr. Dad. <laughs> I want you to kill him. <laughs> See, he hasn't I got that. I don't care that you're a cop. Kill him. He hasn't gotten that. <laughs> kill him, Roger. Ted, we are in a fucking bank, okay? You need to check I your I don't time. care. Kill him. <laughs> yeah, damn, Tom. Keep it quiet. Yeah, damn. Well, what's kind of, what's funny with, uh, actually with the score, not funny, but interesting with the score, is that 
when listening to the score and watching the film, I think that the guitar, Eric Clapton's part, is um, not Murtaugh. It's Riggs. And the jazzy mm. saxophone sure. is Murtaugh. Sure. So it's when rock meets jazz. Where rock meets jazz, there is a Zappa. <laughs> jazz fusion. Uh, no, I'll sign off on that. It's just, it's, it's very disjointed. They don't blend at all. It's, it's it was, okay. It was, but it, it was the sign of the times. Maybe. No, I, I totally get it. It doesn't bother me, but it's only because I've seen this movie easily. Sure. Not two dozen times, but I've seen it 18 We've been Probably. married for 10 years, so there's 10 right there. Uh, but it wasn't an every year thing. Oh, same here. But it was an early December thing. Again, I'll bet Gary Busey didn't even know there was a camera running, especially when that guy's arm caught on fire. <laughs> Look, Busey's going to do what he's going to do. Just give him the Coke, stay out of his way, and just roll camera. <laughs> uh, what I wrote down here, though, was Lisa was watching this one. She's like, I can't watch Scrooge. It's not December yet. I'm like, that's okay. She's like, it's not like late December. I can't watch Scrooge. And I'm like, all right. I said, but I'm going to put a lethal weapon. You're all right with that. She's like, yeah, we'll watch that. She said, uh, I've just come to the realization that while watching this the last time that within just a couple of years, we're at the same age, ra- age range as Murtaugh and his wife. And I went, oh, my God, you're right. When was that's- the last time you got a birthday cake delivered to you in the bathtub? <sighs> I haven't yet, but I, I know that Jeez. Lisa's getting a birthday cake in February now. <laughs> <When she's laughs> you, you go take a bath. I'm going to run to Publix real quick. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Where are you going to Publix? Um, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Have, 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 have a good bath. <laughs> <laughs> put a bath bomb in there for you. <laughs> have a good soak. Put the, uh, the uh, Lethal Weapon soundtrack, the score, on. It's on there for you. See, see you in a bit. So how common do you think it was, in at least in 1987, for police detectives to carry around a cellular phone the size of a car battery? Detectives, like rank and file detectives, well, probably just, not very common. I know it bosses felt, probably like maybe like a section or like a. It just feels chief or something. Hey, guess what? What the Motorola or whatever like cellular phone has just come out. Let's let's get that in, let's let's get get that that in the movies. movies. That's one of the pieces of my trivia. It was one of the first um, mobile cellular phones, and. I'm like, yeah, it's got a base and a headset. <laughs> you know, a base and a handset. That's a little big. Hey, where are you going to talk to her? On the top of the, you know, freeway overpass. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's real quiet. My uh, my dad had a uh, mobile phone. Hit two of them. One was one was in his truck, and the other one was uh, he had a little man satchel that it carried. <laughs> Actually, no, I take that back. He would take the one out of his truck and he could rig it up to go into a man satchel if he wanted to like. Extend, lug, lug it around. I mean, yeah. not that he didn't like walk into the stores with it or anything. Yeah, our like, camcorder had a man satchel. If thing. he was if he was working and needed his phone for whatever reason in 1991, he he would do that. Yeah, our camcorder our, was a VCR. It was two sets. It was two pieces, and you could take one and mm-hmm. attach the camcorder to it. And that's what we took when we went up to uh, Northern California. Made that Bigfoot movie. Yeah, how'd you know? So you're. <laughs> I, you saw I am, my saw your IMDb page. <laughs> On the hunt for the wild netty of Northern California. Something that I always, I always, the wild netty. That's an old school joke that used, to, that used to piss you off. <laughs> you suck. That's a wild netty. Sh- quick, shoot it in the head. <laughs> he won't notice. <laughs> um, I think with this film, 
and in other roles. I, I wasn't sure. It was something that I was I was talking with Lisa about before. You got to pick one of these three categories. I'm assuming you're going to be one. Either you are how a, to define this movie. No, are you not a Mel Gibson fan, indifferent to Mel Gibson movies, or a Mel Gibson fan? Because that's what we were thinking might have been one of the components as to why you don't had like never, this movie. or not even just that, why you hadn't seen it before I, until now. Especially knowing on my, your perplexity for shitty '80s action movies. On my best day, I am indifferent to Mel Gibson movies. Okay. So it's not a it's not a draw. It's not necessarily a pullback. It's I'm in fact I'm sitting here trying to think of one that I actually like outside of uh, Road Warrior and Mad Max. Okay, like I said, this was this was the film that he was like for the longest time mm-hmm. when he would come up, they would show clips of this. This is yeah. And well, this was just, his. And he's just crazy, man. He's just fucking wide eyed, and his mullet's just flipping back and forth every which way but loose. And he, like I said, it looks like he's just about to vomit or he has just vomited. And I just, it was off-putting, I guess. In between I, vomits. <laughs> uh, Hold me. on, let me set my... <laughs> In between vomits. All right. <laughs> We're good to go. I still think that Gibson always had a, a really good ability to show an internal struggle of madness and pain. That not a lot of actors... I mean, I'm sure there he's are. He's fucking nuts, Nathan. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> he's not acting. He had that internal struggle is real. Um, do you ever notice, like, okay, so he was born in America. Yes, he was born up New, New York, upstate, upstate yeah. New York, and then went down under, and was down there for however long, and came back. Correct. He does that thing that I hate when people do, where they claim hometownness. Based on where they're at or what audience they're talking to, because he'll he'll turn off he'll turn on and off his Aussie accent almost at whim at will. Rather. I think it was harder for him to do it harder when he first came back to turn off his Aussie accent. Yes, yeah, because you, could, you can still kind of hear it. It would still poke through every now and again, right? Which and he's subsequently choked it way the fuck down. I yeah, I don't think it exists anymore. I'll bet you if you got him drunk and got him back down, it might be there. It would come back out just like Jamie's accent the more she drinks and the more she talks to her mother on the phone she sounds like common backwoods trash but it gives him i will say this it, it gives him you still on that <laughs> it's, she would she would she would admit that she would she might not go the backwoods trash part but she would admit that her accent gets thicker the backwoods part um it does his blending of you can tell he's worked at it yeah um it gives him a very distinct voice, like I, syntax, cadence. I don't right. quite know cadence, what it is. Maybe, but it it and his voice is deeper. The way Aussies pronounce vowels and such, when he puts that hard R American on it, it yeah, makes it yar. He has a very cool voice. Yeah, um, but I just I noticed in some interviews, like subsequently through the years, his it just goes away. <laughs> I enjoy more of Mel Gibson's pictures for late 80s through most of the 90s. I liked Payback. Payback is good. That was a good. There's two different versions of that. Have you seen both? No, I saw the there one is in the a theater. Okay, there is a I've, director's I've talked, cut that's much darker. I've talked on here about uh, all the shitty movies I saw that a girlfriend made me go see in high mm-hmm. school. She actually she didn't make me go see any of them, but she we did go see Payback you, uh-huh. and I will that was a good one. I think uh, the director's cut is a little bit 
if I remember correctly, it's a little bit shorter. So they just different. They different just takes? the tone. Yeah, they take the tone out. Huh. There's a different tone and a different ending. I'd I'd be willing. To, damn, I'd almost be willing to do an episode on that. Yeah, it's, that, that could be fun. That would be fun. Um, what's your favorite line? Favorite scene? Want it all? Yep. He wants it he all. He wants it all. Beautiful. <laughs> all right. Congratulations. Maybe a nice six-footer to put it under, huh? <laughs> you want a tree? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you the best tree I got in a lot for nothing. Hey, thanks. But the shit's going to cost you a uh, hundred. What, that much? Hey, you said you liked it. That's a fair price. Yeah. Yeah, hell, you only live once. <laughs> Get this together here. <laughs> Money. Hey, man. Hey. Come on, shut up, man. I'm losing count. 93, 94, 95, 96. Forget it, you dumb shit. 100,000. 100,000 dollars. Did you hear what he said? 100,000? I'm I'm sorry. I can't afford that. Not on my salary. But look, I'll tell you what. I got a better idea. Here. Let me say I, uh, I take the whole stash off your hands for free. You assholes can go to jail. Hey, what do you whoa, say about that? To... Now I can read you guys your rights, but now nah, you guys already know what your rights are, don't you? <laughs> this badge ain't real. You ain't real. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm crazy? Yeah. How are you calling me crazy? You think I'm crazy? Yeah, yeah. you want to yeah, see crazy? I'll tell you. <laughs> That's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. Okay, pal. He knows he's in the dirt, asshole. Worst backup guy ever for the <laughs> drug deal. Hiding I mean, in the trees. Hiding and... in the trees and shoots his own man, you know? <laughs> How did you get... move the tree out of the way first before you shoot Stupid one of your guys? Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I. That's a fun scene. It's a fun scene. Nothing in this really jumped out for me. I've got one. There's not a yippie ki motherfucker in this. There isn't. Doesn't break it for me, but for this kind of movie, you kind of, you need that. So, but they're back and forth. I haven't killed you yet. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I shot him in the leg. Now I can question him. (laughs) Their interplay is fun. Their interplay is fun. My favorite scene, I didn't do a favorite line, I just couldn't That's pull That's okay. But my favorite scene was that uh, <laughs> eggnog headshot. The camera was even there. <laughs> hey, guys, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take about uh, seven, eight grams. I'm going to run a helicopter, and uh, I'm going to go skeet shooting out on the coast. Who's with me? Ha. All right, nobody? All right, you, pilot, you with me? All right. Ha, 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 ha. All right. <laughs> oh, hey, look, Tom Atkins. I'm going to see if I can shoot him. <laughs> It's a game we play. It's Tom Mackens. I fucking love Halloween 3. All right. <laughs> you know, everybody's mad that Michael Myers isn't in that movie, but I think it's fucking great. He bangs a lot of bitches in that movie. <laughs> All right. All right. Where are we at? Okay. It is kind of weird watching this movie with Gary Busey as an actual believable tough guy, though. I don't think he's a believable tough you, guy. Not even there? No. No, really? No. I do. Not later. He's always. It's just weird seeing him before he got all fucked up, goofy because of his motorcycle. He's accident. always been crazy cocaine vacuum to me. Maybe because I've learned that Busey before I saw a lot of his earlier work. Maybe. But he always, always had that intensity, man. He just had that weird like. You're seeing the Buddy Holly story. That's what I'm thinking of the Buddy Holly story right now. 
Like even when he's Buddy Holly, I can't see him as nothing but a cocaine vacuum. Okay. I I no, I, I, I like Busey. No, I, I, I like that, him. I like his energy. Like I felt he was out of place in this movie. I think really. Yeah, I don't like him in this movie. Okay. He's not a believable villain for me. Again, I saw this too is late. Is it because it's Busey? Yes. You don't see him as a <laughs> it's, believable It's exclusively <laughs> because it's Gary Busey. Holy 110% movie, because it's Gary Busey is why he doesn't work. Would this play differently for you if it wasn't Busey but someone else in that role? Do you yes. think you would have? Yes. Some nameless German like in Die Hard. Okay. Like the blonde, long blonde haired German in Die Hard. Had it been that guy, cut his fucking hair, comb it back, whatever. Fuck, make it uh, Bridget Nielsen, like they did with uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Right. That was kind of stupid, but... It should have been... What you're saying is, is it should have been a no-name. A less... Not a no-name, but a lesser... Well, a lesser known. Yeah. This is this movie revitalized his career. It was failing considerably because he snorted most of his... <laughs> his profits. His profits. <laughs> this... So this vital, <laughs> yeah, this revitalized his... He credits this movie as revitalizing his career. I bought a lot of what we call in Lubbock, white gold. Um, do you have a worst line or worst scene? I do. Mine's a clip. Foul also said you're heavy into martial arts, Tai Chi and all that uh, killer stuff. I suppose we have to register you as a lethal weapon. Hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's stupid, man. Be, I get it. Uh, I thought yours was going to be his joke after he gets out of being tortured. And he says, what did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? Let's get the flock out of here. Oh, that is fucking dumb. <laughs> That's I where thought, I thought you were going. I was going to try to fill any end of that joke with, uh, just fuck that sheep. <laughs> Again, Mr. Busey, there's a camera rolling. I know. Uh, let's go. My worst line is Murtaugh saying, go spit. And the reason why is I've never really, go spit. I've never truly and completely understood the line. It's the old timey version of saying, go fuck yourself. No, I, think, not, I think go fuck yourself is the old timey version no, of go fuck yourself. Well, apparently go spit is older than go fuck yourself because that's what that was before there was go fuck yourself. So you think people have been spitting longer than they've been fucking? I think they've probably been I think the same. Maybe both. <laughs> Let the record show Nathan just mimed spitting into his own hand. <laughs> go spit. All right. I just I would have preferred go fuck yourself. I think I would have played better with getting the shit beaten out of him yeah. in his trying to find out if they knew about the shipment or not. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you change about this movie? I racked my brain on this one. I've got I one. Okay, good. Because I didn't. I don't have anything I would honestly change with this. But apart from trimming fifteen minutes out of it, which I think you could easily do, that's just a sign of the times. That's it was the late eighties. I think we, as a movie-viewing public, need to sign a petition, change.org, whatever, our, ourselves back into getting people jumping off of buildings in movies as a trope again. It's used twice in this movie alone. You don't see it anymore. She jumps off the building in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then I'm the not even thinking about jumper. the opening scene. And then the suicide jumper. You need more. We need well, a petition a fun, to get was, more people to jump a, off a building. It was a fun trope. They, it they is. did it in news radio. Did with, you notice that their rubber um, handcuffs come apart relatively quickly once they jump off no, in I slow didn't. motion? No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I was honestly thinking about how fucking fun that might be. I don't like heights, and I ain't I never, don't like heights, and I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't have been saying that. I'm never doing me. it. Now, I will do. The next time, whenever the world is semi-normal again, if I ever find myself back in Gatlinburg, I will do that thing where you 
kind of parachute over that giant fan and that tube. Oh, okay. I, I will do that. I will do that. I'm okay doing that. But I'm not jumping out of a plane or off of a building into a great big giant bag. Doesn't Riggs get off and say, oh, that was fun. Let's do it again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would like, to, uh, as a trope, I would like to see more people like talked off of buildings or like, I fucking used to do it all the time in the 80s on uh, sitcoms. The movie Woman in Red is entirely based around the idea of Gene Wilder trapped on the edge of a building. Remember while uh, Kelly, you were looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Kelly LeBrock. It's been a long time since I've seen But he's tra- he's having an affair with uh, with Kelly LeBrock, <laughs> like she would ever fuck Gene Wilder, but uh, however funny he is aside. Him and his wiry pubes, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, just people people either jumping <laughs> off of buildings, people being talked into jumping off of buildings. It's, 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 it's ripe for comedy and... Yeah. Action and adventures and suspense. <laughs> what if you did like a one-act play? Where it ends... With jumping off a building? Yeah, but you don't know how it ends. He jumps off the building, but does he live? Does he die? Do you feel that Die Hard possibly ripped off Lethal Weapon with the ending and the guy coming back up and then they shoot him? Yes. Yeah, Uh, I thought so too. And And I never thought about that until this viewing. I don't think Lethal Weapon was a book. So Die Hard was a book before, but they definitely copped some tone. Mm -hmm. Die Hard, I think, is way better than this. Oh, yeah. I think Die Hard. I completely agree that Die Hard is significantly better than Lethal Weapon. What's the total count for the I'm too old for this shit in this movie? One. In this one, he only says it once in each movie or some iteration of. I've he got, just says I've it got, every. I've got two here at least. He just says it twice. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was at, only once. At least well. two. I was just looking for you to confirm. Oh, I didn't have that in my trivia. Hmm. I was right. I wrote this down halfway through the movie, but I I seem to remember from being a kid that Murtaugh's daughter catches a bit of dick fever from Riggs. Oh yeah. That's weird. And when she, they're sitting at the table and, and her two siblings make fun of her because she's got the uh, doe eyes just looking at Martin Riggs. It's weird. And they do the rap. <laughs> it's weird. What is she, 16? Probably. That's weird. The that dog doesn't it, mean that... He notices it, though, because he mentions it at the end of the movie. Yes, he does, but he doesn't act on it. But the, you don't know what happens off camera. Because then he said, he stayed the hell away from my daughter, or whatever, implying that he noticed it too. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be, don't be throwing no. Mel Gibson at 30, I mean, most women. Don't be throwing no dick at my daughter. Go spit. (laughs) (laughs) The last note I wrote down here, I just thought it was kind of funny. As the general, the, uh, the guy ahead of the operations for getting all the drugs in and yeah, out. Not William Forsyth? Right. Uh, the general lay screaming, stuck in his burning car, and I said, boy, that's got to suck as you lay there dying with your heroin and hand grenades. And Lisa followed it up almost immediately with heroin and hand grenades. New band name, I called it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, you win that round. Uh, the last, other than what we normally talk about, the last note I have written is that is the lamest porn ever. <laughs> they're Video just tapes. No, they're just in a shower. When, like they're just taking a shower. There's just three or four women taking nude. a shower. Yeah, they're, they're just, just taking it together. Yeah, they're not even touching each other. Whatever. Watch the news. More tits on the news. Thirteen-year-old me would have gone dumbest porno ever. No, fourteen-year-old me would have been like Sweet. greatest. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. 21-year-old Travis once 
21 year old Travis had access to the back room at Dave's video in tanning where there was real <laughs> where, porn. where there was real penetration <laughs> on film on film it wasn't a fuck room Jesus it was a small town <laughs> you had to go to Muncie if you wanted to get it penetrated <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'm leaving where are you going I'm going to Muncie <laughs> that for a dollar oh you went to get another beer yes sorry so you weren't gone very long oh <laughs> uh, just gone long enough if you could uh if you could recast the lead i did this like surprisingly fucking quickly and it'll be pretty obvious when you think about I, when i, I watched did mine this pretty quickly i'm not <laughs> it'll be pretty obvious when you consider for okay. a second that i watched this a week ago okay right. on and a what saturday you've been watching recently It'll be pretty obvious okay. when I say it that I watched it a week ago. Well, one of them will. The other one just kind of popped into my head. Right. But you go first. You go first. For Martin Riggs, do you know who Ben Mendelsohn is? Jewish guy? No, he's Australian. He was in Bloodline. He also plays Orson Krennic in Rogue One. Krennic, now, Krennic. Krennic. Uh, I just watched Rogue One like a month ago. The oh, Death Star operational. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one that he's the one that ends up dying at the end because well, they all die at the end. But yeah. he's the one that comes down on the planet and and fucks with Doctor Lecter. Correct. Okay, <laughs> I could see him. Yeah, he could be a good Riggs. If you see what else has others, he been in? He's been in the, the Netflix series Bloodline. He was in the recent HBO series called The Insider. But I think he could easily pull off that really kind of internal. Is Bloodline the show with um, Brian Cox? No. You're That's Ascension. You're thinking of HBO and you're thinking not Ascension. You're succession. Think, succession. Okay. Sorry. I don't know what Bloodline's about. Um, it's about, uh, was it four siblings where one is kind of the black sheep and he comes back to their hometown in uh, the Florida Keys. But he, I think he has the ability to kind of switch on and off that I'm on the brink of going a little okay. crazy and can kind of have it in the undertones okay now the actor i cast as um roger murtaugh i don't know if he's more known now as a rap artist as he is an actor but i would have i would cast well no i don't know where you think i may or may not be going you may it's one of the two ice fellows nope it's not one of the two ice fellows so i was thinking one of those two ice tea would be good ice tea would be good ice cube now not not t- not so bad. If you've seen Twenty One Jump Street, uh, I've seen Twenty One Jump Street. He's still a little. He's still he's still a little wink, He's still a little winky weak. little yeah. winky wink. But Ice Ice T. Yeah. I picked Sorry. Common, who I've been watching a lot of Hell on Wheels recently, mm. and he's in the first three seasons of Hell on Wheels, and he's a really good actor. And really? I think that he could pull off the late forties. I'm too old for this shit kind <laughs> of attitude. Okay. Yeah, okay. Hell on Wheels is an interesting. I, I, we were going to watch it and then for it's about reason, 57 episodes yeah, we were going to watch it and didn't get back around to it I'm in season 5 and the, in the final season it's good I enjoy it but it's you got to be in the mood for it for Riggs I went William Peterson alright 1990 William Peterson guy from CSI right if you guys don't know yeah <clears throat> just I would want him to play it maybe a little lighter than he did in Red Dragon or I'm sorry uh, Manhunter just a little, a little right a little funnier but not not much. He I, 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 he does play the I'm on the edge of losing my shit. In a different way. In a different way. Yeah. I can see that. Like All he right. doesn't do the Three Stooges. 
shit. Keep him basically. That's not straight. that's not a bad pull. I like that. My Murtaugh, baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> Carl Weathers. <laughs> Let him be All right. a little not <laughs> winky wink wink funny, but let him be the funny. Yeah, let let him have the or, let let William Peterson be the straight man, and Carl Weathers have quote unquote the funny lines. All right, and it bounced. William Peterson is still funny, but Carl Weathers is. Babe, you got a stew going. He's not that. Now, can you see why I chose Carl Weathers? Yeah, because you've been watching The Mandalorian. Right. I watched the. Even though he's only been in one episode, and that of, was the episode I just watched, and the probably the only other episode he may or may not be. That's what I would pick. I didn't recast anybody else. I didn't recast... Uh, I didn't recast anyone else either. Now, I know we talked about, like, when we do Christmas movies, we don't do similar or equal. But I've actually got a similar or equal for this one. And I went cop-out on this, too. I went, well, this is the first kind of the loose cannon buddy cop movies. But what it reminded me most of was Dragnet 87. <laughs> okay. Because that's I, I, that. I think that's what they tried to do with Tom Hanks' character. I never that. thought about that. But that yeah. that would have been a good pairing, those two. Uh, but, you know, Rush Hour... Fucking forty eight hours. Well, this Midnight is, Run. This is That's why a good buddy Midnight cop. Run. Uh, another forty eight hours is this is another forty eight hours is a direct result, I believe, of this movie. That's not surprising. Um, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great parody scene in that movie. Have you seen it? It's Amelia Westavez and Samuel. I've Jackson. seen it, but it's been so long. So the scene when they're at the shooting range mm-hmm. and he goes blah 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 blah. And he runs it back, and he's whistling and shit. Yeah, and it finally comes, and it's a smiley face. And loaded weapon one, uh, which one of the jokes is there wasn't a loaded weapon two, so there's just one. Uh, They they parody that scene, and he runs the target back, and it's like smiley face, and it says thank you very much, have a nice day or some shit, and it's all it's fucking goofy. Mine's a cop out two two yeah two is a really good sequel. It plays on. All of the Shane Black kind of tropes, mm-hmm. even though it's really not Shane Black's script anymore. I think it's just based off is his it characters. It is not at Christmas. Mm-hmm. It has uh, Joe Pesci as yeah. Leo Getz, which adds an additional humorous element to sure. the ensemble. I wouldn't say it's a better film, but it is in par with the original tone of the first film. Have you any trivia? I do. Six pack trivia. So, I have a question for you. Okay. Was this taken from, like, a 70s game show? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I okay. Was just trying to... I've, I meant to ask you many, several times before, but it sounds like, you know, The Price is Right, you know, or something in that iteration from the it you was know, some... 60s or 70s kind it of might thing. might have been, like, an early 80s. It was 70s, early, yeah. 70s, early 80s. That's it was uh, some lesser-known, <laughs> like, regional game show. Game I found. show, okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Shane Black was a recent UCLA UCLA graduate. Uh, Black stated that his intention was to do an urban western inspired by uh, Dirty Harry, where a violent character reviled for what he did is eventually recruited to being the one that could solve the problem. Is that why they keep harping on that Nom shit and he's yeah. such a good sniper? That yes. doesn't really come home to roost for me. Not especially not now. It, it feels it feels more trope esque in this than it did when I watched it probably the first time. That, but it feels you know the war is over. Yeah, it feels thin. It feels like a, just a, an afterthought. It it's doesn't. Over, no. They could honestly that'd be a good magic wand. They could lose that whole thing. Uh, how much do you think he was paid for this script in 1985? Shane Black. Yeah. 
for his was, first screenplay. So Predator was 86. Well, Predator was 87, but he was just an actor, and he was initially asked to punch it up, punch up the Predator script. Uh, I'll bet he was paid 2500 bucks for this script. $250,000. Fucking good for you, Shane Black. Get paid, brother. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between studios. 250 or 250 grand. Quarter of a million in... Uh, 1985. I'm going to fucking... Siri, that shit. I'm gonna inflation calculate that. Google. It says six million four hundred thousand <laughs> nine hundred and ninety dollars and seventy-one cents. I was gonna guess a return, topping close to one million. But a I return wouldn't. on investment of one hundred and forty-two percent. Jesus. Richard Donner tried to make this film more like an old-fashioned Western, but set in the urban. And that's the reason doesn't why... It doesn't feel like that to me. It doesn't, but once I read that and was watching it this time around, I could understand what they were going for. The problem with that one is a lot of the deaths, the shoots, the hits, and the fall, falling over. And uh, now I go, okay, this feels like a Western, but not a Western. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many films has Shane Black written that involve... Around Christmas. Off the top of my head, six. That's a good guess. It's six. Wow. What are they? Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. The Last Boy Scout. Last Boy Scout. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh-huh. It's a and great his, fucking movie, by yeah, the way. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is his, It's that's really prevalent in <laughs> What's the Christmas. Quote? What's the quote? If you looked up colossally fucking stupid in a dictionary, you know what <laughs> yeah. you'd see? A picture of fucking you, because that's what you are. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Iron Man 3 and The Good Guys. Jackie Swanson, who plays Amanda Hunsaker, the all 90 seconds that you see her and her boobs mm-hmm. before she jumps out a window. She performed the high fall on her own. Good for her. Fuck yeah, girl. She was trained by a legendary stuntman, Dar Robinson. Also, the stunt was done using an airbag uh, covered with life-size paintings of the driveway and cars. Which, like um, a foreground miniature, visually blends into the real scene. Thus, the editor was able to hold the shot until just before she makes contact with okay, the car. That's why. For great realism. That's fucking rad. Is that not? That that's is, what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking rad to 150% that the actress did the stunt herself. She did it herself. And she jumped all the way down, and you see her almost hitting that car. Yeah, like she's about to hit the car. There have been there have been um, images on the internet that they've pulled edits where you can see just because it's just a fraction of sure. a second. Sure, where you can kind of see the ripple lines. Uh huh. But if you don't catch it, with who's the naked looking eye, for that? Somebody who doesn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's that's awesome. I love that. Something that I fucking Le- love that. Something that Lisa also mentioned when we were watching. It's like you don't normally see that. I'm like, what's that? It's like you don't see the indentation when you're inside the car of the body. It's also it that reminds smashes me, into that car. It reminds me of this shot. Um, I, I think it's called. It's something like the most beautiful suicide or something like that. I can't quite remember the name of it, but. Um, it was a picture of a woman that had jumped off a building and killed herself in like the 30s or 40s. And she hit the top of this car and cleft it in a V like that. And she, right. her legs, it's not bloody or gross or anything. She just looks like she's sleeping. It's actually, I'll post it. Uh, I'll give you a link to post it on socials. It's uh, 
What a very Christmassy picture. I almost wonder if they didn't use that picture as an inspiration for this scene because of how strikingly close it is to it. I wonder. Yeah. Oh, I can see that's why. Yeah. So, sorry. What's uh, what's your other trivia? Body count. On with the body count! Theatrical cut, it's 25. If you want to count the director's cut, it's 26 because it includes the school sniper. I want to count the version I watched. (laughs) Uh, like I'd mentioned before, this is the first movie to show a modern cell phone. It is a, it was a portable Radio Shack model, <laughs> uh, launched circa 1986, which was close to the filming dates of the movie. In the scene where Riggs is contemplating suicide, there's an actual bullet blank in the chamber, which Mel Gibson was pointing at his head, thinking that it would allow him for a greater sense of portraying the scene realistically and dramatically. Jesus Christ, that would still fucking kill you. A blank? If you shot a blank in your fucking head? Yeah. You think? Oh, Jesus. He's just, he's like 15 not, years, he's, but... he's method. He just, he's, he's method. method. Uh, no, it's a meth OD. <laughs> it's a meth OD. He's not, he's not meth. a good actor. He's just high. <laughs> Do you want to know the director that was initially considered for this film before Richard Donner came on? You're laughing, so that tells me it's not... Traditional? S- no. Mel Brooks. Leonard Nimoy. Fascinating. He was oddly, one of the oddly I could see it. He was one of the choices, but he didn't feel comfortable with doing action and he was also in the middle of making three men and a baby. Because here's the thing about Leonard Nimoy. When you think of him, you think well, he couldn't Spock. direct you well no, well, <laughs> you think he couldn't direct Lethal Weapon. Well why? Why couldn't he direct Lethal Weapon? Well it's just not because that he, he played couldn't. fucking it's Spock. Just... He has an odd directing career. Correct. I think he, he could I think he could have done a cool job with it. Okay, the Beretta ninety two F that Mel Gibson uses in the film is the same exact prop gun that would be used by another protagonist in a movie that we both love that takes place on Christmas Eve just one year later. Die Hard. Yeah. Nice. They retired the fucking gun. It's got to be at a Planet Hollywood somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Or auctioned off for $6 million. So it's got, oh, dude, it's got got Mel Gibson's mouth DNA on the barrel, and then it's got Bruce Willis's, like, back back sweat. Back sweat on the rest of it. Dude, if that fell into the wrong hands, you could you could clone the both of them and then God. Or what if what if you clone them both into the same person, Mel Willis? <laughs> <laughs> what if you cloned them both and one was like the good one that like had all the abilities and was strong, and the other one was the one that the strong one ate most of the energy from in the womb? So like, <laughs> there's Bruce Gibson who's like a fucking buzz cut blonde football player. Nice. And then there's Mel Willis who's like I'm I work at the library. <laughs> Like twins. I volunteer volunteer at the library. Played by Danny DeVito. My name's Mel. No, it'd be played by Rick Moranis. I played I played thirty minute workout back at half at twice the speed, so that takes me only fifteen minutes, but I get the same workout. It's great. (laughs) I'm a big fan of the Dewey Decimal system. This whole party's a write off. Uh, okay. I am the gatekeeper. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, the script for Die Hard with a Vengeance was originally written as a Lethal Weapon sequel. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, Gary Busey lost 60 pounds to play Joshua. Yeah, well, cocaine will and- do that to you. <laughs> I don't need to eat. <sighs> All right. I have two other notes, and then we'll go into casting, which is a long list of who else was initially either asked, turned down, or considered for Martin Riggs. Okay. Number one is I couldn't find 
any casting details for Roger Murtaugh. Roger Murtaugh, the character itself was written with no specific ethnicity. Thank you. Thank you, sir. In mind. He wasn't written as black or white or Asian. All right. Uh, Also, Richard Donner was approached by by Canon Films to direct Superman for the quest for peace, but turned it down in order to make Lethal Weapon. And you know what? I'll take it. What are your – who are your also rands? (laughs) So for Martin Riggs, number one. Bruce Willis and Mel Gibson were both considered for the opposite films. Bruce Willis was considered for Martin Riggs, and Mel Gibson was initially considered for Lethal uh, – not Lethal, Die Hard. Yeah, both landed. Makes but, sense, and it lands correctly. Yeah. Um, this is 1986, so take this into consideration. Oh, God. But these were some of the other actors considered also for Martin Riggs. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, Jeff Bridges, Pierce Brosnan, Brian Brown, Nicholas Cage, Robert De Niro, Kevin Costner, William Defoe, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Jeff Goldblum, Rutger Hauer, Don Johnson, Michael Keaton, Kevin Klein, Christopher Lambert, Michael Madsen, Liam Neeson, Al Pacino, Sean Penn, William Peterson, Dennis Quaid, Christopher Reeve, Eric Roberts, Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Selleck, Charlie Sheen, Sylvester Stallone, Patrick Swayze, and John Travolta. (laughs) Wow. Leave no stone unturned. The only person they didn't mention? Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke! <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't in there. I was hoping he'd come in, man. That's a couple of those could have worked. Yeah, I could see. A, I could see a couple of those. Working. Oh yeah, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're great actors. It uh, would have been interesting with Jeff Goldblum. It would have been interesting. It would have been. Different. I wouldn't say it wouldn't have worked. Kurt it Russell would have been. Yeah. There's one other thing that I pulled down. Why in the hell does Shane Plack? Love Christmas so much. Why does he feature Christmas? He's, he's Jewish, correct? <laughs> that would have been funny. No, I, I but no. Okay, not that I'm aware. Of. I thought that's why. No, I, that would have been funny. But in an interview uh, with Entertainment Weekly from 2016, the interviewer asked him why he's obsessed with putting Christmas in his films, and he specifically said, "It tends to be a touchstone for me. Christmas represents a little." Stutter in the March of Days, a hush in which we have a chance to assess and retrospect our lives. I tend to think also that it just informs as a backdrop. The first time I noticed it was Three Days of the Condor, the Cindy Pollock film, uh, where Christmas was in the background, adds this really odd, chilling counterpoint to the espionage plot. I also think that Christmas is just a thing of beauty, especially as it applies to places like Los Angeles, where it's not so obvious and you have to dig for it like little nuggets. Hmm. And so one night on Christmas Eve, I was walking past a Mexican lunch la- uh, a Mexican lunch wagon serving tacos, and I saw this little string, and on it were a little broken uh was a little broken plastic figurine with a light bulb beside it and it was of the virgin mary and i thought that's just a little hidden piece of magic you know all around the city are little slices little icons of christmas that are effective and beautiful in and of themselves 
and any 40-foot Christmas tree on the lawn of the White House. So that, in a lot of words, is the answer. Yeah. I know what he means because there's a life kind of slows down. It, it does and it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't. Especially if you've ever worked re- retail or had to so encounter my the busyness of Christmas. For the entirety of my life, my dad was a firefighter and my uncle was a cop. <clears throat> Christmas was just another day for them. They would work. And as I got older, my dad would work specifically on Christmas to let guys that had family and younger kids, kids enjoy yeah. enjoy the day um, like your dad didn't have family like, well but it wasn't as it wasn't as magical for me as at 16 once you get start getting and, older compared oh, to look, being like his, six yeah he's yeah. another t-shirt in a Marilyn manson cd gray but little johnny who's four yeah his dad giving him the the new, magic of that yeah experience. so my dad would sacrifice that for, i get that That's for his great. guys and he got like double time pay <laughs> So you go from that kind of that that kind of line of work, law enforcement. It's just really another day for them, and then all the way down to like somebody that works at Mapco. Yeah, uh, two, just finding that hidden magic. Well, three days ago was Thanksgiving, and Jamie forgot milk for something she was making. So I went down to the gas station to get her a bottle of milk. And the lady at the register is a lady that's always fucking working the register. She's still working. It's a holiday, but she's still there. I hope she fucking got paid well for yeah. it. But life slows down, but it. Doesn't, but life still moves on. It slows down to like by like twenty, eh, by like thirty. Instead 40%. of one speed, it's like point, like zero point yeah. seven five. Yeah. So I get that. It's it. It adds a fun little. It makes it special. Yeah. Still hold up. Final thoughts. To me, yes. I said I think the only issue with this film is for those who hadn't seen it until recently. <laughs> I, dude, I know it's a modern classic. I just, I, I mean, I came it's to not it. the, it's not the most amazing picture. I'll, I'll give you that. I said rather than seeing it in the late eighties, all of the common tropes that you have seen in buddy cop movies were either created or reinvented in many ways by Shane Black. I, I could see like, who cares now? But when that movie came out, he was reinventing the genre. Sure. You know? No, I'll give you that. And so I, I understand It was a that, successful fucking movie, dude. Yeah. There's, what, four or five sequels to it? There are three sequels, and the only ones that are really worthy of seeing is the second. The third is okay. The fourth is fucking horrible. That's the the one fourth- Is Chris Rock, The right? fourth is written around action sequences. I started to nitpick this film during my my recent viewing, um, but once I really read that they were trying to kind of do an urban western- yeah. They were trying to do a modern Western set in modern Los Angeles. I started to let go of that. Once you realize that both Shane Black and Richard Donner were trying to do that, I forgive them of the faults that are kind of like, oh, God, this is really dumb. Why are they dying like that? Why? Hold on, man. They're making a Western. It's just modern. Okay, I'll let that go. But it's not perfect. I think it's one of the better modern action buddy cop movies. I, I think it's better than 48 Hours, personally. Um, it's definitely not as good as Die Hard. <laughs> We've already talked about that before. But it's for me and for Lisa, it's always kind of fun to revisit every every Christmas season. Christmas or every, every other so Christmas often. scene. Yeah. Dude, it suffers for the Goonies syndrome for me. I didn't see it until I was 40 <laughs> uh, last week, to be honest with you. I know, like I said, I know it's a classic. And it's okay. A lot of folks like it. It's not bad. It's actually, it, it needs an edit. Um, a, a re-edit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It needs, yeah, it, it, need, it. It, needs a, it needs a modern trimming. It's just one that I missed. It would have been cool if the dog at the end, and that truck is badass that he drives. Oh, the dually? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
It would have been cool if the dog would have been like an Aussie Shepherd, like his dog in Mad Max. Yeah. I would have liked that. It doesn't hold up for me. There's some there's some okay stuff in it, but not my thing, and that's okay. Yeah. It did leave me with one last question is what is Richard Donner's thing? And holy fuck. We'll figure it out after this. Frank Cross is a man of true vanity whose specialty is inhumanity. He's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bullets. Then he saw three new whips. Now what scares him the most? From the ghost of Christmas present. Is the chance that he's losing his sanity. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. Bill Murray, Scrooged, rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, November 23rd at theaters everywhere. Okay, so real quick, I'll just get it out of the way. Richard Donner's thing is Christmas as well. At least for 87 and 88 it is. <laughs> I don't have any other examples, but that was part of my trivia. It was that uh, it's a director's trademark is setting the movie his... at Christmas. <laughs> All right, gang, welcome into the second half. I enjoy the modern twist. Like the It's, it's, it's almost meta. This movie is almost a meta modern Some twist. Some people state that it was kind of ahead of its time. And for 88, maybe... In that regard, bit. in that regard, yes, but it is heavily awash in 1988-isms. Yes, and very much so. Over the top, Bill Murray, what? Which we'll get to when we get there. <laughs> First thing I noticed, literally, I'd, I'd never seen this. I watched this movie... Time is it? I watched this movie 19 hours ago for the first time in my entire life. I'd seen clips. That's it. And by clips, I mean like you'd seen Buster Poindexter. Yeah. As uh, I, I, I like, is that his name? Well, or actually, what? his name is David Johansson. Okay, he's from the New York Dolls. That's who I thought it was. Great but... fucking character actor. Okay. Love him. Uh, in the late 80s, he had this weird resurgence of pop. What's the song? Feeling. Mimana Hana. Feeling, feeling hot, hot, hot. hot. I thought that song yeah. was fucking great. It was Drop fun. my notes again. Uh, he's uh, he was so good as I was not sure if that was actually him. The ghost of because Christmas they past. went by his actual name. I wasn't sure yeah. if it was Buster Poindexter. <laughs> <laughs> and I also was not trying to dig up any trivia that you may or may not have pulled. So I was not sure. No, and I appreciate that. that. So the first thing, the <laughs> truly the first thing I noticed, Danny Elfman much. Oh yeah, on, Danny Elfman, which was made me Danny Elfman high on Danny Elfmanness, which made me immediately go, "Fuck!" Did Tim Burton direct this? I had no working had, knowledge of this. It movie. had elements of Tim Burtonness in and this, and I, it, I don't know if if a lot of it had to do with the music, but some of a lot of it had to do with the music. It's mostly music because, as you may not know, Richard Donner directed this. Yes. Which I and in some of the darker tones I could see being a Tim Burton. Well, the quick giveaway that you know Tim Burton didn't direct it. Zero black and white stripe anything. It didn't have black and white stripe. It didn't have <laughs> didn't have Johnny Depp in it. Um, Nineteen eighty eight. Who would have? It didn't been? have Helen, Helena Bonham Carter. Well, eighty eight. His so Tim Burton goes in phases with his muse, his actors a lot of the time. But like nineties. Well, and after was it was Johnny Depp, Helena Johnny Bonham Depp. Carter. The eighty eight would have been Michael Keaton. Would it be Michael Keaton or Winona Ryder? Okay, that was those were his peeps for a couple of years after. So what you're saying is this movie was as bad as what um, Frank Cross's drink is, which is a tab mixed with vodka. I have that as <laughs> what doesn't work? Vodka and tab. tab? Um, have you ever had tab? Yeah, it's worse than Diet Coke. My cousin Mandy was diabetic, uh, and she drank tab, and 
They still make that. Did you know that? Like no. not for long. I think I read somewhere recently that it's eventually going off the Coke line. <laughs> you don't mean off the line of Coke, do you, Nathan? Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah that's it. <laughs> it's eventually being discontinued, but it it's still being made. Every once in a while, I would go into some store, and I've seen it. And when I was uh, last year – I think it was nineteen. For anybody that doesn't know, anybody that doesn't know, Tab was the original the diet, like sugar, cola, sugar-free yeah. cola. Coke. Yeah, and so made was by it, Coke. Was it a Coke product? It okay. was a Coke product, which because is why they still had it on tap at the Coke um, Museum. I kind of liked it when I was a kid because it was different and weird, but it's fucking bad. It's basically it's like putting aspartame, a, it's big time, super diet Coke into vodka. I don't. Ugh. What I do find Ugh. funny is, is when he makes it later, it's more vodka and a the he like shakes, yeah, he the shakes it. In the the <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I remember cr- this movie looking scary as fuck to me when I was a kid. Because I, I get that, I, I get was, that. and I should like it. I think, but it had, I don't. It had Oscar nominations for best um, hair and makeup, which makes sense. Some of the effects are great. Actually, yeah. all the effects are great in this, uh, and that. I was either steered away from it or I steered myself away from it because of how creepy it looked at the time. However, I fucking loved Beetlejuice from the jump, which is arguably creepier. Definitely. Um, but funny. And no Christmas tones. <laughs> but <laughs> at all. Yeah, that's very true. I also I'm not I'm not really a Christmas person. I don't really You like some Christmas movies movies and you enjoy I enjoy movies that happen around Christmas, not because of oh, Christmas. Christmas. I don't really like Christmas. Eight. Is there a reason why? Yes, there's several. There's at least 12 reasons why. Eight years in retail <laughs> and four years in radio will suck the joy right out of you. Yeah, it took a while for me to go back. In. That's the reason why whenever – when I worked retail from the early 90s on to late 2000s, I left before you did uh, – Best Buy. <laughs> and came back into it's it much, I left It's again. very much akin to the Indianapolis speech from the yeah. movie Jaws. Yeah. And Nathan was one yeah. of the first airlifted out of this. Yeah. Yeah. 950 men went into the water. 300 and some of them went out. We like 600 and some of them that day. 11-25-2015. I was only missing a leg. You were missing half your torso. <laughs> I was missing my sobriety by yeah, the time yeah. I left Best Buy. Yeah. Which I didn't have a bunch of hairs of to begin with. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. What I've heard, um, Black Friday, not so bad this year. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I hope you're staying safe out there. I will say Staying this, just, just because the the bit at the end when the little kid that hasn't spoken since his dad got shot, when he does say, God bless us, everyone, I did tear up a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. it hits you there. Because he's a sweet-looking sweet little, 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 little boy. Kid. Yeah. yeah, I can understand why you don't like Christmas, because working working retail for so long... Uh, I did. I did just to stop for a second. I did enjoy that joke he made when he didn't want to scare the Dickens out of people, and then he said, "Scare the Dickens out of people." No one gets me here. That's exactly the kind of shit I would say because I'm a narcissist, just like Frank. <laughs> yeah, that's very late eighties. This well, movie it looks is... as a kid, it looked scary to me, and I never, I, that. I never yeah. watched it. And then it became a Christmas movie, kind of a cult Christmas movie, to be honest. Kind of. And I don't like Christmas, so I never, I never got to it. It was not super well received. During its release, if I remember correctly, some liked it, but some felt it was just way too dark for the time. And so I think in that respect, it was probably ahead of its time. The meta and the darkness are why it was ahead of its time. But it was the late 80s, man. It was like, you know, we were 
fucking. It was either a fastball or it was a curveball. This one was a curveball. Yeah. Whether or not you cared for it later, you swung and missed and then came back and went, oh, I know exactly where it was going and I get it or not, but so I understand that. How many times have you seen this? Eight to ten times. Okay. Easily. I had to pause it during – one thing I love is Robert Mitchum's asinine, completely out of touch with what is Cats going on Cats for television or pets for TV. I have scientific proof. There are Amazon channels for your dog. Oh, you mean YouTube? Oh, yeah, Amazon and YouTube too yeah. as well. Yeah. I watched it. I put, I put it on last year at Christmas time. La, 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 Well, it's, it's, it's out of focus. It's like really? people, people throwing sticks and shit, and it's, it's not out of focus. It's out of focus for you and me, for Russ. For humans. It's out of focus for you and me, Russ. But, it, but for dogs, it's like right on. And I turned it on, and I was like, let's uh, – I'd had several drinks. And I said, let, baby, let's see what the dogs like the TV show, you know? And it's like – the people are, okay, let's throw the stick and then the thing with the stuff and the dog, hey, for dogs. And my dogs looked at it and they turned and looked back at me like, are you, fuck is this? <laughs> Put on Gilligan. But You like Roger Midgham's, uh like justification towards the end. The cat's like, ah, when they see the, the fucking mice. Yes. That was a great <laughs> payoff. <laughs> there, I don't like this movie, okay? Yes. But there, there, are are several, of- there are several good jokes that, and that is one of the best because it's a very subtle setup and very subtle payoff. Tent pulled by him trying to staple antlers onto the mouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are several channels. I was part of my trivia. I don't think I wrote it down because it's part of my opening thoughts here. But there are up to like multitudes of programming. Was that Chuck Schultz that was talking about stapling the antlers on the mouse? No, wasn't. I, I forget what his name was. It wasn't Chuck Schultz. Okay. But there I think it was several... someone involved with like like old school animation. There I are don't know. several options of programming for you to leave on television during the day for your dogs. Just just a whole channel of this. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking for dogs. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, man. 12 a month. All right. So uh, you've already kind of said what doesn't work. I said mine is fucking vodka and tab. <laughs> Um, what, what did I put down here? And the other thing that doesn't work for me is Bill Murray is mostly all the way over the top most of the time, and I don't like it. Uh, I never... There's a reason for it. There's a reason yes. for it. Yes. Do you know the reason? No. This was the first thing he had done since Ghostbusters. Really? He'd been living in Paris and was giving giving very when serious When did Ghostbusters thought. 2 come out? Was it... 89. Oh, it was after He this. was okay. thinking of giving up acting, and he came to do this movie or whatever. So he was... He Nerd. dialed it up too high. Well, he was the only one carrying the movie. Okay. He wasn't part of an ensemble. This is Bill Murray going into his Pacino, 90s Pacino phase of shouting. Before he had someone to bring him down yep. or a cast to bring him down or whatever. This is his I know that Pacino there, phase. I know that there were issues where between – there were issues between Donner and oh, yeah. Bill Murray. Yeah. I think Bill Mur- uh, I think Donner wanted to do the movie too quickly or he, something like Bill that. Bill Murray mentioned that it was not to get into more trivia, but he mentioned that they did it very fast, very right. sloppy. A lot of it ended up on it's the like floor. It's like there was a funnier movie there that did not happen. And Is that he, what it was? Something like that. Yeah. And Roger Ebert asked him if he had any problems. No, somebody asked him if he had any problems with Richard Donner. He, he, said, goes, oh, yeah. he said only three or four every second of the day. Because I don't know what Donner's directing style was like. But, but obviously it didn't work for Bill Murray. <laughs> well, because Bill Murray improvised all of this movie. Really? Which would have to be fucking annoying, man. It'd be like, look, dude, like look, this dude. line isn't working. Can you come up with something better? Or I need to come up with something better like, because look, what I'm I would, reading here I would, is shit. Were I his director, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm the director. You're the fucking actor. Okay? Yeah. I need one on book and then you can go off book. 
whichever one works better, I I will serve the piece. I mean, he got from A to you can tell. I think you can tell what was not improvised, like the spots where he actually has the Scrooge reactions that he has to have to to move the story along, where he cries when he sees his dad give him five pounds of veal. When he cries yeah. when... When he sees his mom or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clearly of the script. What I put down here with what... And it doesn't actually, fit. What I feel that doesn't work is I never bought Frank's over-exuberance. Ober. His over-exuberance. You mean of, of, Dr. Leo Marvin? That shit? No. His over-exuberance of positivity specifically at the end of the film. I get him playing the role until he starts that transformation but it felt out of character what I think, towards the end what it felt like to me should like he would go in these mini christmas past picks him up right right takes him back to uh buster point is here takes him back to 1955 and wherever which, he's living why was 1955 such an important date for people to time travel back to in the 80s <laughs> december 24th 1955 date i invented TV. Anyway, he goes in these little peaks and valleys. Right. Like he goes back in time and sees what a shit like, kind oh, of damaged childhood he, he had. He had a shitty childhood, he, but he was human here, here, and there. Well, no, yeah, he goes yeah. back and he sees that he was human and he cries and then like, okay, he realizes it. But then he comes back out and he scabs back over immediately. He hit late 60s and he's now working at the TV studio and he's in the, he's just a male boy or an ex- you Yeah, know. but he meets Karen Allen, who has – her dentist must be very proud. She has the most beautiful Your fucking smile. smile I've ever seen. I in wrote my that life. down too. I'm like, God damn, you could that fall in love smile with that. warms up a room. Man, is what I wrote damn, down. Yeah, you're right, dude. I feel God like damn. I look down at the movies that she's been in, and I haven't seen a lot of them. And it feels like a lot of them were very low end. I feel like she should have been a bigger star than she was. Yeah, because she has that wonderful, beautiful girl next door quality she, very much yeah and it it saddens me that she was not as big after like raiders of the lost ark or, well, it's because or, or whatever you she know? didn't scream enough and she didn't fuck spielberg great. when she hits him with the door which yes. reveals why she calls him lumpy, lumpy. yeah um, that's a great little bit and she smiles and he's already kind of jaded yeah because he's late 80s bill murray and he's just riffing uh you also don't want to eat chinese because it's Alley cats. My dad would always say that. I'm serving you dogs and cat. Well, it's fucking delicious, Dad. You should eat the mugu guy pan. Delicious cat. Mugu um, meow meow. Um, I've never, I've never really seen a representation of the Christmas Carol, other than this. Really? Yeah. No. Oh, do I mean, you think I'm, this helps or hurts that? I mean, I know the, qu- I know the story. To Just, quote another Bill Murray movie. I think maybe both. <laughs> I know enough of the original. Yeah, that it's anybody very, who doesn't know it, it's very nice under a fucking rock. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's very uh, 19th century and proper and angry and austere and focused and, and, on and, materialism and especially so in in late 80s yeah. America. Yeah, sure. What a great time to revisit this. It doesn't help or hurt it for me. Really, okay. I actually it, this kind of helps it because I I appreciate that it zips it into a modern setting which actually we'll get into in a minute okay when i talk about magic wand but i forget where we were going we derailed there if you're not sure where you're going i have a question for you well let's let's fuck my train of thought then what's your question <laughs> do you did you recognize the waiter at the restaurant that he was with Richard, robert mitchum and what's his name the other i 
didn't. I did. Did he look familiar? I did until I couldn't place it. I couldn't place it. I couldn't place it. And I said, fuck it. I don't care. And now I remember he's one of the British soldiers in Temple of Doom. No. Well, he may be, but that's not what. Oh, it's under Socrates. He's Socrates. Socrates. Man, (laughs) I was playing hell trying to figure out who he was. He had that face. You're like, I've seen him in something. I don't know how many times, but I can't. I know he was in probably other stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he was as well. But that's the first thing. When I see this movie, I go, (laughs) so great. Well, (laughs) that scene brings me to what my favorite line is, which was hard to nail down. Favorite line. (laughs) There's some cool scenes. Like a lot of the special effects scenes are really good. Yes. Um, there's some good jokes in here too. There's some good Bill Murray lines and good. B- Bill and Murray my favorite jokes. line is one of them. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were Richard Pryor. <laughs> that leads into my whole thing. <laughs> I, we don't even have to play it. That's fine. It's just when my my favorite scene and favorite line is when he's freaking out in the restaurant after he's you know Socrates serves him and then he's <laughs> trying to get descriptions on what he wants to eat and eventually he just says no. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor when he throws the, uh, the water on the waiter. The water on the waiter, who's on fire? That made me laugh quite a bit, especially the other night. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of cringy, but it was also really funny. <laughs> you think Richard Pryor? Well, saw look, that man, shit? Richard Pryor made fun of himself on stage. Richard Pryor gets to make fun of himself for doing it. <laughs> Do you think Richard Pryor saw this movie and went, "Motherfucker"? Maybe, maybe not. I don't I know think what he his went, relationship. Motherfucking Bill Murray is not going to make fun of my ass, Jack. <laughs> he made of himself. He made fun of himself uh, again. Early eighties. Richard right? Pryor was yeah. a drug addict, and he's allowed I'll to make fun, fun of, of himself, himself for being a drug addict. Self-deprecation Bill is okay Murray. with humor. Bill Murray is kind of not allowed to make fun of Richard uh, Pryor for being a drug addict. Yeah, um, or he wasn't making fun of him for being a drug addict. He was making fun of him for setting himself on fire. <laughs> Flame on. <laughs> Uh, I forgot how often that Richard Donner likes to bring back specific actors to play parts or cameo roles or otherwise. Specifically? There are a couple of actors, and there's also a cameo. I wrote down a couple of them. Anne Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Now playing a home... Did somebody poop? Yes. Now playing a homeless woman where she played uh, Ma Fratelli in The Goonies. Again, she looks like she smells like pee. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, also common recurring actor uh, Donner's, in Donner's film is Mary Ellen Trainer, Who is she? Uh, she plays the police psychologist in Lethal Weapon, and she is a TV executive in Scrooged, and she also plays Mrs. Walsh in The Goonies. Is, uh, She's also the news anchor in uh, Die Hard. Is she the one in this that keeps getting injured by all the accidents? No. Oh. Do you know who I'm talking about now? She's the blonde woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Donner's cousin, Steve... Con or Cahan uh, is in Steve Donner. Yeah, he's in Lethal Weapon as the police captain and is also the TV control booth, uh, is also in the TV control booth. He's also a street detective in the first Superman film. He's the one that uh, he's with two, it's like him and one other detective that are, um, they are following Otis. Otis. He's following, they're following Otis down in the uh, subway. And one gets pushed into out the, into the train. Into the train. I haven't the seen the other Superman one that follows. They're both trailing Otis, and the mm. one that gets crushed is not the one who is in this. <laughs> He's the. One. I oh. think I follow your logic. You know what I'm talking I about. I kind of, yeah, yeah. I'm somewhat there. So 
Yeah. Richard Donner never stuck to a genre, did he? Not specifically. I mean, he doesn't he, have a thing. He, I, I know there is. There are many directors that have a thing. He didn't necessarily have a thing. This doesn't even look like one of his movies. Not really. It, in, in fact, in some ways, it feels very uncharacteristic of what would normally be a Richard did he Donner do, film. Did he do the first Muppet movie? I'd have to look that up. I'm not entirely sure. Look I'll, it up. Okay. It's Christmas, and we're all miserable. We have time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Richard Donner directed the first Muppets movie. Wrong. James <laughs> Frawley. I believe that all three of Bill Murray's brothers are in this They film. are. They are. Part of my trivia. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray plays his dad. Joel Murray... Uh, plays a uh, guest at the party. At the party for his brother who, who plays, plays his brother. brother. Correct. Okay. That's what I was thinking that all three were in this. So sometimes it's all of them. Sometimes it's a couple, a couple of them, but not. Typically not. you'll see Bill Murray and Brian Doyle Murray. He's Frank Shirley. Yeah. He's friends with Chevy Chase, which is odd because Bill Murray and Chevy Chase are not friends because uh, Chevy Chase is an asshole. And I'll bet Bill Murray's a bit of an asshole. I would bet they're both bit bits of an asshole. Which bit? Combined together. <clears throat> Our powers taint? combined, we form SNL asshole. asshole. <laughs> Live from your colon. <laughs> Who's the hemorrhoid? All right. Lorne Michaels. <laughs> the big toe. The other line that I the other line that I had that was actually humorous to this film was um <laughs> All day long, I listen to people give me excuses of why they can't work. My back hurts. My legs ache. I'm only four. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Doyle Murray was old as fuck in the 80s. He's got to be 110. Wouldn't it be fun to recast this with the Baldwins? <laughs> Is that your magic wish? No. Or your no, magic No, it, it literally just occurred to me. What if you could you could fully fucking see Alec Baldwin playing Bill oh my God. role in this? Like, yeah. Perfectly. He would... That's a one to one. That's a one to one switch out. You almost changed my recasting, but I'm going to stick with who I'm sticking. I'm sticking with. Mine I'm sticking too. with my recasting, and I also have an alternate that it made me think of it. But when that we could first be started this that could be fun. Just and then just toss the other brothers in as you see fit. I guess put Stephen in as the dad because he's the next most famous. Let's move on. Well, we talked about recasting. So who would you recast? I would recast. My initial recasting was keep everyone the same, but put Michael Keaton in the role. I could see that. I think that Michael Keaton could be a touch darker than this version, but I still think that he – it could play pretty well. I think that Keaton had a better range at that time than than Bill Murray did. I think he could pull off a better Frank Cross redeemed than Bill Murray did. I think that's my bigger problem. Bill Murray is redeemed or Bill Murray is in over flashback. The top. Well, no, he seems disingenuous. Right, Bill Murray redeemed, and Bill Murray in the flashback when he gets hit with the the record store door, he seems like there's an ulterior motive. He's not just a right. nice guy, and I think you're right. As he goes through the commissary, done that, done that. I had a friend who did that. That's so Bill Murray. <laughs> That's so, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you I heard about you, this? You only recast. I had one other recasting, but it was just when we first started talking, and I thought this might have worked. In '88, maybe okay. a little, maybe a little into the '90s. Is it Frank? N it's Frank again. Okay, I've only recast Frank. Okay, Eddie Murphy. He might have pulled that off. He's never done anything <sighs> like that. No, he hasn't. It may have. It may suck. I would do a one night only. Going, let's see how he could pull this one off. I'll sit down. I'll buy the ticket. I'd watch it. 
Eddie Murphy now? Eddie Murphy 19, you said early Doesn't 90s. Doesn't matter. I, I would say early 90s. I would... I see he had too much hubris. I think he's broken enough now. I think it you would think be... it would work better him in his sixties or him in his late fifties or something. Yeah, I think you're right. Which gets into something I talk about later. Okay, but, um, but those are my. I recast. I recast, recast Frank and I recast Claire, and I did it quick again. Steve Martin and Tina Fey. Oh, that would be good. Steve oh. Martin. Steve Martin can meet that energy. Because it, but keep it. At 75%. I think they brought in SNL writers to punch up the script originally. It wouldn't surprise me. Bill Murray did tear the script up, the original script, and asked him to. And so having that element, I think that Steve Martin would would easily work in that role. I never would have thought about that, but that works really well. He could totally hit that, Dr. Leo Marvin, that that same hit a 10. Yeah. But... Still be endearing. I don't know. This is just like the like, kind of the first time Bill Murray did that without anybody checking him, because he he got up to uh, he would get up into that neighborhood on Ghostbusters. Like I don't know about you, sir, but you seem to be very pale, coughing when he's talking to the <laughs> who's the stiff, you know, yes, in the thing. But he had Ivan Reitman there to go like, no, Bill, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna edit that back down, but. By the time this came around four years later, which is why he and Donner didn't like each other. Uh, I think Bobcat was also a little too almost on the nose. I think they, if they pulled him back about 20%, I think it would have been. I didn't little... mind Bobcat because oh, I, yeah? I felt like they pulled Bobcat back 20%. Okay. <laughs> have you seen him full? Yeah. Have you, have you seen him full, Officer <laughs> Zed, Police Academy? <laughs> okay. <Ha! laughs> Those are my recastings. And Tina Fey, Tina Fey did a, uh, Steve Martin did a guest shot on 30 Rock one time and their chemistry was pretty good. Tina yeah. Fey is no Karen Allen and, no, and but vice versa. But I um, think she could pull that. I also thought Angelica Houston could have been good. Okay. Steve Martin, Angelica right. Houston. But Tina Fey is funnier. No, she's not funnier. Tina Fey is funnier. In a different Tina Fey way. Is, Tina Fey is funny in a different way she's than Angelica not, Houston. I don't think Tina Fey is as charming as Karen Allen can be. Not at all. But I think that still would work in a modern retelling of the late 2010s. We're too fuck, we're too jaded for this to be remade now. Yeah, similar or equal film. <laughs> I wrote down here. I said if you want a really good Bill Murray film where he's the main star and at the t- fully top of his game with a a director that knows how to work with him well. You're gonna say the same movie I said. Okay, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Okay. The only other one I put down. And it was what about Bob? Same energy. Yeah, I thought of those two. The reason I chose because the, they're more comedic directors. Well, the reason I said Groundhog Day was because it's a similar story. Yes, he's an asshole that needs to who change. has well he has a supernatural yeah experience that makes him not be an asshole. He learns to be a human, and he learns to be a not asshole human yeah. in the hard way. Kind of dark. Yeah, it's got some darkness to it. Uh, and Groundhog Day is way funnier. What about Bob? Well, way funnier. Yeah, they're who directed What About Bob? Frank. I Oz? think it was Frank Oz. Okay, I took a little bit of liberty with the with this fact, but under the weight of crushing irony, Paramount would not let the cast and crew off on Christmas Day. What during filming? Uh, so Richard Donner fired everyone. 
And for then, a day, and, and then, then hired, hired them back. Hired them back on the twenty sixth. Yeah, that's a that's a cool move. That's a cool move. But also, what a cunt move of the fucking studio. You're making a movie about a guy that won't let people off on Christmas. Filming a TV thing on Christmas. Why am I Seinfeld all of a sudden now? But I'm Seinfeld. But but anyway, yeah. He Richard Donner fired everyone. Hired him back on the twenty sixth. The crushing irony. To give them one day off. Um, like I said, this was the first thing Bill Murray had starred in for. Would you say four years since, since Ghostbusters? Since Ghostbusters, and this was the so three, at least three. Okay, and this was the first thing he had starred in where he wasn't part of an ensemble or part of a duo, so he had to carry the film. He was living in Paris. Um, we talked about it earlier. Some of the street musicians were Paul Schaefer, uh, David Sanborn, Miles. Larry Carlton and, and Miles, Miles Davis. And Miles Davis. I guess, okay. I guess you did trivia for this one, too. Hey, look. If peeing your pants <laughs> is cool, then consider me. David Sanborn. Miles Davis. I don't have any also-rans but I, uh, for the, most people. But it almost feels like it was written for Bill Murray in some ways, regardless of whether or not you like the movie or not. I could see how that was like, hmm. Well, uh, yeah, you say that. I don't have any also-rans except for The Ghost of Christmas Past was supposed to be Sam Kinison, which would have been totally <laughs> Would have worked. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. That um, would. But David Johansson and Bill Murray were friends, so he got the role. I think he nails it. Um, and Sam Kinison later did his version of it on an episode of Married with Children. <laughs> uh, no, Kinison Kinison did it later on an episode of Married with Children called "It's a Bundleful Life." <laughs> okay, where he basically played Clarence. He plays the angel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and he plays it as straight up. It's just Kinison. Straight Kinison. Just yeah. Edited for television. Yeah, and it was great because. Fucking Kennison. Did you get the joke of all the homeless folks mistaking him for Richard Burton? I never thought about that. I didn't. I, because I had, he's wanting to, they want him to recite, what was it, Hamlet or sure, something, whatever. Shakespeare. I guess in the 70s, Bill Murray did a skit on SNL where he played Richard Burton. <laughs> no. So it was a kind of a, it was a meta on it meta was joke. play on that? Okay. Yeah, which that's kind of funny. Um, most of his lines were ad-libbed, as Bill Murray is wont to do for evidently the entirety of his career. I, I don't know how you fucking ass dick your way into just being that guy. I guess you just what you say has to be funny. Yeah, that's got to be like, weird. Where, where it's where like, you, I love this film. However, I'm going to change everything. Where do you that come off, dude? Bill like, Murray at this point had made what six movies? Caddyshack, eight, eight Ra- ten maybe at the most. Razor's yeah. Edge. Well, no, you said it was eighty four to eighty eight. So he had made anything since eighty four. So he did this. okay. That's mm. as I said earlier. Richard Donner's trademark is being set on or around Christmas. I don't have any other for exa- these two movies. I don't have any other examples. I'm pretty certain that there's not a Christmas theme after '88. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert hated this movie. Really? He said it was the worst representation of a Christmas Carol he'd ever seen. <sighs> I think. Hey, I think Jim Carrey's might be worse. I think. Hey, Roger Ebert, stand in line to get fucked. This isn't. <laughs> Is that the movie? That's my comment to Richard. Stand in line. Richard Ebert. And the movie is To Get Fucked. Roger Ebert. I don't really like this movie, but there's a lot of stuff I like about it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, because it's Bill Murray and it's it's got it's a, some dude, good you shit. You said it. You said there. it. It's ahead of its time, I think, uh, in, in some ways. Um, good for Tom Cruise, this movie. Do you know why? No. That year, Tom Cruise starred in? Cocktail. Also, Tom Cruise starred in. Tom Cruise starred in. Tom Cruise starred in movie. Tom Cruise starred in movie. Tom Cruise starred. <laughs> Tom Cruise definitely starred in Rain Man. I was there after you said it the third time, but it could it couldn't reach my mouth at the end. So thank you. Both leads offered to Bill Murray. He turned both of them down to do this movie. 
So Tom Cruise got... He turned down Tom Cruise's role and... Tom Cruise's role. In Cocktail and Rain Man. And Rain Man. I don't know if I could see Bill Murray in either of those. If any of that, I could see them maybe in Rain Man. Oh, he turned down an, an additional, which actually is, is, is fun and actually validates some choices I've made in prior episodes. Bill Murray also turned down the lead in the movie Big <laughs> to do this. I've often compared late 80s Tom Hanks to partially some some bill murray roles delivery just just sheer delivery can you go back and watch big and go oh, we're gonna have tom hanks in it for one night only because <laughs> that's never, the season I've never, four i've never seen big really i've seen a few parts of it but i think you would enjoy big quite a bit still hold up for me Final yes thoughts? i said overall the film stands up pretty well being 32 years old. But then again, I've also seen it probably more than once, <laughs> 10 or 12 times. Yeah. Um, this isn't peak Bill Murray, uh, but it's pretty close. It's I close. Think, I think this is, this is him reaching. He's, this is he's him close. starting on his, he's ascent. like, you know what? I think I can get better at this. Let me, this is him starting his ascent into. Yeah. Uh, I think while his performance and humor work best before he starts to change, I still think, I think it. I find it rather fun to rewatch it every year or two. It's for, not every year. I forgot my magic Christmas. wand. I'm sorry. Oh, you know what? Did I have my oh, magic yeah. wand? Is go back and redo the movie with Bill Murray now. Oh. Old man. Which director would you pick? Wes Anderson. No, um, not subtle enough. Or too. I'm sorry. Ivan too subtle. Reitman. I'm I don't just, want to. I'm pulling one. John Hughes. Still no. alive. I don't know. I don't know who I'd have direct it, but I would have Bill Murray in it now. Bill Murray now. Same. Now at the age of mid to late 60s doing same. TV executive rather than playing, I'm the youngest TV executive. He's like, I'm the oldest and yep. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, almost every year when I watch this film during the Christmas season, it drives me insane that the network refers to the specialist Charles Dickens immortal classic called Scrooged Scroo or Scrooge. Scrooge. Excuse me, Scrooge when it's called A Christmas Carol. And that—that's that, your magic wand. My magic wand would be for them to change it to just be a Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. As dumb as that is, that's dumb. Okay, it's a nitpick for me. That's it's pretty pretty nitty. I couldn't think of anything for me because I still enjoy this for what it is. That's my nitpick. That's what I would change uh, if we're gonna go there. Okay. Uh, sorry, all about that. Go back to final thoughts. I still enjoy this movie. It's not the best Christmas movie. It's not the epitome. It's not the pinnacle, the peak of Christmas movies. But I still enjoy watching it every year, every other year. Do you think uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was an answer to this a year later? SNL alum, SNL alum. That's very possible. That would have been a good pairing, too. Well, I'm sure that the film uh, was seen as a little too dark or morbid. As a holiday film, I think that it's aged well compared to being yes. 88. Yes. Um, it does a decent job of, of satirizing the television industry. Even looking back now, it's, it's different, but it's still in that regard. In, I, in that yeah. regard, I think it holds up 100%. Right. Because it's, I, we're fucking kind of living in a, a weird world acid, right now. Acid trip version of the 80s right acid now. Acid rain. <laughs> acid rain trip. <laughs> Terrorists, TV <laughs> yeah, executives, drug addiction. <laughs> um, 
it's a bit dated compared to um, the never-ending live and, and streaming options that we have today. So I, out there. There's an Instagram page I follow called The Basic Drunk. The Basic Drunk. And uh, one of the memes was, how do all these bitches going home for Christmas have a, <laughs> managed to pack eight different winter coats? <laughs> it's Oh, you should definitely follow. Very funny. I'm doing it right now. So, other than this movie... So you, yeah, so I'm sorry. Your mom was watching one of the 17 million Hallmark... Right. And I'm like, have you... Is this just today? She's like, no, I've been watching holiday movies for the past week. I'm like, oh. Now, you can add this one to the stack of movies I didn't see when I was a kid. Um, I said I said earlier, I do like the dark tone this movie has, and I should like this more than I do. I just... I think it all boils down to Bill Murray being allowed to be too much bill murray he's not reined in and a little too it's not enough it's 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 too he's much not toned down it's too much ad lib yeah the makeup and the special effects are fucking great like one of it my, makes sense why they were nominated i mean i was really paying attention to that one of my last viewing. one of my favorite shots is when uh carol kane throws him down the steps and he does the backward somersault down the steps and she follows him you can't see the strings i, yeah. I looked for him like I was, I was looking to debunk, and it fucking looks so good. She hit me with a toaster. <laughs> she actually tore his lip a little bit. I know that there was an issue with the fact that she had much more fun on it than he did. She didn't like. She didn't like hitting him. She said, "Yeah, she's, yeah." She she got a little upset. It's a little that. brutal, but she's this weird. She has this weird sexy quality. Yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, man. There's a peculiarness with her. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. You can see why she was Latka's girlfriend, right? In Taxi. Do you remember her name? No. Simka. Thank you. Even today is is the weird... There's not enough darkness and not enough weird humor for it to fully hit for me. Right. So I guess it still holds up. Sort of a cult Christmas movie, I guess. It's not necessarily something that you're going to grab going, Hey, you know what I want to watch? Probably going to be like Lethal Weapon, man. Probably not or probably won't hit it again in the next if you 40 do, years. It's going to be a while. <laughs> um, Let me I, know how that is in 40 I, years. I dated a girl for the longest time who grew up watching this, and I don't know how in the eight years we were together, we never watched this together. That is weird. Maybe I'm blocking something. Maybe I just don't remember not wanting to watch it. But Maybe it was a link with her. I don't know. I'm not saying that it makes, no, it, makes no. it a better or worse movie. But no, I just, I don't know. I never, I never got around to it. I'll give it a C. This doesn't really... I get it. That makes sense. Doesn't really yeah. buff my cherries. You got a chaser question over there? Well, I don't have a holiday chaser. Um, I failed to ask Lisa beforehand to put a tally together. Or- eh, fuck it. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Fuck it. <laughs> there are two left in here, so I figured you take one, I'll take the other one. All right. Let's just And indulge. then we'll see how it goes. There's yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you handed it to me like a... Like a dick. But I'm going to read So it. it's like a Chinese uh, fortune cookie. Or just a fortune just, cookie. I don't know. No, it's Chinese. Here. I don't really know that there's like Mexican, I get, I Mexican get, fortune cookies. Well, I get fortune cookies with all Asian dishes, typically, whether it's... Japanese, Chinese, Thai. So it's Asian fortune cookie. Friend of the show, brain detail specialist, Jimmy James, wants to know, what's your favorite underrated horror movie? Gobbledygook. Underrated? I think they're all underrated, but I've... uh, 
Do you want me to go first? No, I, I know. I actually just saw – it's a movie called Tourist Trap. Never seen I it. I may have mentioned it. Dude, Chuck Connors is in it. What's Chuck Connors? The Rifleman. Keep going. Exactly. How old, how old is this movie? It's post-Chainsaw Massacre because there's a lot so it's, of – is it still 70s? Yeah, yeah. Like late 70s maybe. What is it called again? Tourist Trap. Tourist Trap. Uh, It's got – it's bad, dude. <laughs> it's got the, the, the killer – Wears a lot of different masks, um, a la Leatherface. Okay. Um, so it's a bit of a ripoff, but not completely. It's a bit of a ripoff. It was remade in the early 2000s in name only as Tourist Trap. Has nothing to do with the original movie, just the name. And then they remade the movie with a different name. What'd they call it? I can't remember. Uh, but the original is fucking great, dude. It's a straight, like, you think there's going to be, like, schlocky tits and blood. There's and some there blood, is. but there's zero boobs in it. Oh, man. So. Oh, man. Oh, man. No boobs. Dang, man. Uh, you. It was uh, featured on, one of the best ways to watch it is on Shudder, on <laughs> Joe Bob's last drive-in. All right. Because he does the Joe Bob treatment, gives you all the fun shit in between and after. Might even be the first one of the first season of that. Which is where I came across it, and I'd never heard of it before. And man, it's fucking creepy, uh, but also cheesy as fuck. Also, also ran Motel Hell. Um, has Rory Calhoun and Beulah Ballbricker from Porky's in it. They're killing people and planting their dead bodies in the ground and trying to grow humans. So, Tourist Trap, Motel Hell. Those are my uh, that's my A and B underrated horror movies do you have an underrated horror movie i actually saw this with the one who asked this question okay have you ever seen frailty directed by bill paxton starring bill paxton it's the it's the guy who paxton is playing a father a a widowed father of two kids and he is he believes that he has been given instruction by god to to exact justice on sinners it's got this kind of – it's more gothic than it is horror, I guess I would I know say. What you, I, I know what you mean. It's it's unsettling in, in many ways, but – It's 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 psychological And horror, it has that twist at the end where you're like, whoa, I did not initially see that okay. coming. Okay. Frailty. Yeah, frailty. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is Christmas. We both get a present. We have one last chaser, so here it is. Yay! Lori from Lafayette. That's Lafayette, not Lafayette. Ah, or from... it's Lafayette, not Lafayette. It's Lafayette. Laurie's I'm reading. From... I'm reading it wrong. It's actually Lori from Lafayette, not Lafayette. She from Louisiana. I'm guessing so, since the pronunciation has does changed. It, does it literally say Lafayette? She gives me two different pronunciations, and I read it backwards. Lori, I hate to tell you, it's named after the French explorer. Pierre, yeah, but Pierre. if it's Tennessee, it's Lafayette. Well, no, but if it's after but the guy, but if it's Louisiana, if it's, it's no. You're, you're missing the point. It's named after the guy, the explorer, Pierre Lafayette. That's his name, Lafayette. It's, it's like you, you wouldn't say it's. She's from Yost, Louisiana. It would be Yost, no matter where. If it's named after me, it's Yost. If it's named after Pierre Lafayette, it's Lafayette. Sorry. Nerd alert! Nerd! First, she's a first-time chaser, Lori. Welcome, Lori. She wants to know what's the longest film running time you're willing to sit through at a movie. Can you sit still for two and a half hours or uh, with a movie plus trailers and not have a problem with the running time even if it's too long? I mean, the only thing I typically run into is I have to pee. 
I don't care about that. I'm just uh, talking about running time. Like, this is too fucking long. This oh, needs to be over with. Yeah, three hours. Star Wars, Godfather. Like a good Star, Star- Wars is a little over two. You got to pick something that's closer to three if you're talking about, like, what's the long movie that has the longest running time? Godfather. Gangs, so of, Gangs of New York. Three, a little over three plus. I would say the one that jumped out the most would be The Godfather because there's not a second of wasted film in that. Like I could, I could watching 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 okay. Gangs in New York. I could see breaking out my phone to look up something just to check Instagram. Like, how long did Leonardo DiCaprio or? And that's or, typically what happens. I pull up something. I go, "Who the fuck is this guy? I know him from what?" And then I pull up IMDb. Like, did and then Cameron I see, Diaz really get training to do an Irish accent? Because it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually how it starts. I get that. And then I end okay. up going, "Oh, I have a notification. I should check that." Bloop. And then five minutes have gone by. Bloop. Yeah. But I. I seldom look away from either of the two Godfather movies. Um, I would say that the movie that I have no problem watching that's pro- that's whether it's the theatrical cut or the director's cut. We're talking Costner when he won his Oscar for best director. <laughs> I would say Dances with Wolves 1990. Okay. I have no problem watching either. I think the director's cut just it's it's kind of like with Godfather, whether or not you're into it or not, it's like a visual novel. If you are into it, you have no problem investing an additional hour. I'd rather watch the I'd Native watch, Americans in a positive light. I'd rather watch Wyatt Earp. Let's pair God, Fuck off. I'd rather watch six hours of Kevin Costner movies, you cock. Let's pair. <laughs> We've already done Tombstone anyway. Wyatt Earp Jesus, with... Jesus Christ. Dances with Wolves. That would be a great pairing. No, it wouldn't be. That would be a long... In a, in a way, in a way, it could in be. In a way, it would be, but I would really like to see how you... Your impressions of that film. I think that's why I've thought about wanting to do a pick six where it's six films or three films for you, three films for me mm. that you've never seen before. Homework. Homework. Where, yeah, we yeah, talked homework. about that. It was that pick would... six homework and yeah. it would be six films rather than 12 because it would be three that I've never seen yeah. and three that you've never seen that you just write down notes of your thoughts on this film and I'll write down notes of my thoughts because I'd seen it before. That could be fun. Happy uh, Christmas, everyone. So you mentioned Lisa's birthday is next month. It is February. Jamie's is in January. Last year we did the Jamie Justice Roadhouse <laughs> Expert birthday okay. special. Should we do a Lisa Mailbox Monitor birthday special? Should we do a Jamie Lisa birthday special? I'm just cooking this up just now. Do we now. have four mics? Oh. You don't really need a mic. You could just sit in the back oh, and shout. Oh, thanks. Great. Um, <laughs> what do you got to say? <laughs> Nothing. Um, I like the direction. But see, you're you're facing away from the mic. If you I know. Were in the corner, you, right? Yeah. See, and that was fairly effective just then. Fuck you, Dick. Um, <laughs> that could be something fun. You but, would need to propose that question to her more than me because I don't know if she would be if she would be open to or. We would be at their mercy though. We would let them both pick. Ah, they movie. have to pick their mo- their pairing. Yeah, and that could be really shitty. Oh my god. We could end up watching like Dirty Dancing and Mean Girls. <laughs> Jamie will jump in front of a fucking microphone at the drop of a hat, so I know she's... I, uh, yeah, <laughs> it will be up to my wife if she wants to... My wife. Have you my seen, wife. Have you seen the Borat sequel? I have not. It's pretty funny. I have not watched Borat probably in a decade. Same. But, fuck, I have it sitting there in my library. I could just grab it. It's always there, dude. It's, it's always an, there because there's just... It's like that sign. When you're ready for that... It, it, it's, Borat it's is like hits. that... The first Borat is like that cyanide pill every Nazi keeps in their back tooth. <laughs> Like, 
God damn it. If What's I the matter need what? It, I cracked the tooth. If I need it, it's there. <laughs> I cracked the tooth. We're going to Borat. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, what the fuck? Okay, so possible uh, wives of the show. In January or February, give or take. Possible when? wives of the show episode coming up. Is it going to be called not- wives of the show? Yeah. My wives. Very, very possible. Uh, my wives episode uh, coming up February, January, if, if if they're on board. If not, I guess next thing for us would be pick six season coming up in February. Correct. I don't know if we're going to do another Mandalorian pick six. No, I don't want to do another Mandalorian pick six. <laughs> I said the next three or four episodes are like, eh, okay. I said, I said all I needed to say at the top of this one. Okay. I'm not super stoked about what they're doing this year. All right. So yeah, it would be pick six would be coming up next. Yeah, I guess unless if, something special pops up. Unless beforehand. we do, unless we do a, a fun wife episode. Well, I guess for me, for Nathan, for Lisa the mailbox monitor, for Roadhouse correspondent Jamie Justice, for Teeny Tim, for Mary Lou Retton, for Bill Finger, for Bill Murray, be excellent to each other. Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. It's a weird fucking world. Weirdest year in two thousand and twenty years, as far as I I can tell. Emphasis on sick. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's, Just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick, gang. Yeah. And uh, if you do anything, or if you don't do anything, I guess if you want to say it that way, please stay off the moors. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. What day is it? I don't give a shit. You're a police officer, Roger. I know you're a fucking police officer. Kill them! Just kill them!